Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor, whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over at The Wrap, and whose musings on the Mission Impossible movies you can listen to on the Light Diffuse podcast, he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, January 27th, 2023. And Drew, you just got back from the Disneyland Resort. Was this officially the launch of the Disney 100 thing, or was this a Disneyland event? Well, it was both. It was actually the launch of the 100th and the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So that was that, that was the two okay. kind of uh, two birds with one stone they were going for uh, with this event. So that's why I was there. And boy, are my legs tired. <laughs> Okay. Now, in addition to that, you got to see two new nighttime shows that really lean heavily into animation. There's Wondrous Journey, uh, which is at Disneyland Park, new nighttime spectacular that celebrates 100 years of, of Walt Disney Animation Studios. And then there was World of Color 1, which is, will be presented nightly over at Disney's California Adventure Park out on the waterway that I, I guess formerly was known as Paradise Bay. And this one celebrates 100 years of Disney storytelling. Now, one of these shows Drew absolutely loved. I, I think you said in the email you sent me earlier today that this one might be the very best nighttime show you've ever seen at a Disney park. While the other one, again, quoting from today's email, it was a big disappointment and which was which? I, uh, folks, you're going to have to wait till the second half of the show. And Drew will tell us all about his time at the, the, this press event. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of this week's Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Drew. Academy Award nominations got announced this past Tuesday, January 24th. No real surprises there, right? No. I mean, I think the biggest surprise in the category, which mm -hmm. includes Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, Turning mm -hmm. Red. But the big surprise, or the biggest surprise, I guess, was that Seabeast got that fifth slot that we were saying could have gone a number of ways, right? Because it could have been Inuo or... Strange World or Lightyear or whatever, but, you know, the mm -hmm. Chris Williams movie really brought it home. I'm really, really glad he got a nomination. And as is customary, I talked to most of these people right after they were nominated on Tuesday morning, and everyone was just so thrilled. So very, very excited for, for all the nominees. Oh, very cool. Okay. And what always intrigues me about that is the way they stage this is the second hour of Good Morning America. So what is it, 8.30? So it's 5.30 in the morning out there? Yes, correct. Yeah. So you're talking to all of these sleepy people? What did Chris Williams have to say? Oh, he, he was beyond excited. And he said, you know, my my mom doesn't really understand animation, but she understands the Oscars. So she was very, very proud of me today. Oh, so I thought that was really nice. And, you know, I talked, to, I talked to Guillermo. I talked to Domi. Um, it, was a, it was a nice morning. Everybody was very, very happy. And, oh, I'm so glad to hear yeah. that. Oh, I, I just remind you here, Seabeast was Netflix's most viewed original animated film. Now, Turning Red was actually the number two most streamed movie 
for all of 2022. Nielsen released this information this past week. Evidently, Drew, uh, Domi's movie got viewed 11.43 billion minutes worth. And the number one stream film was Encanto. That was 27.4 billion minutes viewed. So we may not want to talk about Bruno, but we certainly watch him a lot. Number three position on this list was Illuminations Sing 2. And four was Moana. And then Nielsen for most streamed doesn't do a top 10. They do a top 15. And another five titles on this list were, were animated films. Eight was the original Frozen. Nine was Luca. 11 was Zootopia. Number 12 on the list was Coco. And we'll have some more news about that later in the show. Number 14 was was Frozen 2. So nine of the top 15 most streamed movies for 2022 were animated features. How many of the Disney and Pixar films I just named turned up in Wondrous Journey and, and World of Color 1? Well, Wondrous Journeys, Jim, has every single feature animated film from Walt Disney Animation Studios represented. Wow. It is amazing what they've crammed in there. We'll talk about it later, Jim, but those, okay. the dancing cows from Home on the Range make an appearance in a nighttime oh, spectacular at Disney, Disneyland. Okay. I'm, I'm, all right. I'm there. I'm there. Well, on World of Color, well, we'll talk about World of Color. There's a specific reason why the, the movies are chosen, but yes. I asked Jim in my interviews, where the hell is Luca? Because it's a water show, and hello. Yep. I mean, come on, but... They did not make the cut. Those little, those gay little mermen did not make it, sadly. But one day, Jim, one day. One day. One day. Speaking of little, back to the Academy Award nominations now. Uh, best animated short nominees. We got The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. We got The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants. The An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, and I Think I Believe It. And then finally, My Year of Dicks, which... <laughs> I thought that was your short film, Jim. <laughs> it was very funny uh, to see people giggling as they read the uh, well, nominations. Yeah, it was, it was. I will say this much, folks. I am honestly embarrassed that out of these five films that have been nominated for Best Animated Short, I haven't seen one yet. Drew, how did you do? I have also not seen any of the... You know, it's much easier, Jim, when there's a Pixar short or a DreamWorks yeah, short and they're sending yeah. it to you and saying, please watch this. The closest thing that is sort of a you know mainstream is The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, which is available right now on Apple TV+. Okay. Plus. And I saw that Glenn Keane, our, our buddy, was doing... Mm-hmm. Um, Q and A's for it recently, so I mean, it's. It, I think it's a film that really the animation community has gotten behind in a big way. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, folks. Drew and I will make an effort between now and March twelfth to check out these five by hook or by crook and let you know what we think. Anyway, we were just talking about the most streamed movies for two thousand twenty-two. Nielsen also revealed a uh, released info this week about the most streamed series of the past year. And number 15 on that list, Drew, was The Simpsons. I guess there's 667 episodes that are currently available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. These were viewed last year on that subscription streaming service for a combined total of 15.9 billion minutes. 
But when you got a crazy big number like that, that perhaps explains why Fox just renewed The Simpsons, along with Family Guy and Bob's Burger, through the 2024-2025 season. So that's a two-season renewal. Not really a surprise, right, Drew? No, no. I mean, I think there... <laughs> What I thought about when it was, you know, because they used to do it, they they used to, like, get them for, like, four or five seasons. And it's, mm-hmm. like, just two. It's, like, let's see how many people are alive <laughs> at the end of 2025. That's the level we're getting to right now, which I think is very funny. Oh, oh God. Okay, well, just to put this in perspective, folks, that's season 35 and season 36 of The Simpsons which means that this animated series will definitely make it to 800 episodes, and The Simpsons' 750th episode is going to serve as the official finale of season 34 later this year. This just seems nuts. I mean, it seems like 15 minutes ago I was sitting in my apartment in Acton, Massachusetts, watching Simpsons roasting on an open fire back in December of 89, and and Fox, to show you how little confidence they had in the show, they listed the first episode, or they promoted it as a Christmas special. You know, it's like, uh, please watch this, because uh, we don't think Really it's hedging work. their bets on that one. Yeah, I just, I just was amazed. All right, also, uh, Family Guy, worth noting here, that's been extended through season 23, and Bob's Burgers extended through season 15. It's just a baby, just, you know, adolescent. So, makes me happy to see The Simpsons uh, still chugging along, which means two-season renewal means lots of animators, lots of writers stay employed. Conversely, though, it makes me kind of sad to see the trailer for season three of Animaniacs, which dropped just last week, because evidently Netflix has opted not to renew this animated season or series for a fourth season. Just a quick note for all our listeners, it is Hulu, not uh, Netflix. I keep doing that. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, it's okay, yes. Jim. There's too many. I agree. There are. Yeah. But I think we've talked about this before that it was mm-hmm. not never it was not that it was canceled. It was that they made a bat a single batch of episodes that could last over three quote unquote seasons. That is true. Yeah. So listen, Jim, don't be sad that it's gone. Be mm-hmm. happy that we got it at all. There we go. Okay. Season three of Animatics becomes available for you viewing on Hulu, not Netflix, Hulu, on February 17th. And while you're marking your animation-related calendar, please note that Comedy Central's revival of Beavis and Butthead debuts 10 days, uh, nine days earlier, on February 8th, right after South Park. By the way, Drew, uh, the revival of Beavis and Butthead was announced with great fanfare back in July of 2020. Uh, at that time... We heard we were going to get two full seasons of this animated series, plus movies, plus specials. So just to circle back to what you were saying about Animaniacs, same thing? I believe so, yes. I believe they were all produced in one batch. Um, Got it. But I I adore this new Beavis and Butthead mm. series. I think it's so good, so I'm so excited. I did actually not know that it was mm. coming back, Jim. So I am very happy that it will be back on February 8th. Now, speaking of things that were announced with great fanfare, back in May of 2018, Adult Swim, on the heels of Rick and Morty's hugely popular third season, announced that they were ordering ordering an additional 70 episodes. See, now this plays right into what you were saying, because the 70 episodes were supposed to keep the show running through its 10th season. 
So, geez, I write the show and I learn something from do as, <laughs> as I'm doing the show. Okay, so we're now in the middle of season six, and I wonder, honestly, if Rick and Morty is now going to make it that far. We reference Justin Roiland and his issues on last week's fine tuning, but a lot of stuff that's happened over the last like the last week to ten days. I mean, so I guess to explain here, for if you're not keeping up on this, folks. Uh, Justin Roiland, uh, who is the co-creator of Rick and Morty, along with uh, Dan Harmon, the creator of Community. Justin is facing felony charges for domestic abuse. It tied to an incident that happened back in January of, of 2020, three years ago now. And this has been whispered about for a while now, Drew, right? I had not heard anything about it, but I can tell you that... Mm-hmm. During press for this most recent season, yep. he and Dan Harmon were not together okay. um, for the interviews, which to me spoke to some kind of mm-hmm. split, and I'm sure it is related to this. I am also very curious to mm-hmm. know if Disney and Comedy Central, or, I mean, or Cartoon Network knew mm-hmm. about this, how much they knew about this in the past three years. It seems very interesting and odd to me, but we'll see. The official records for this have been under a protective order. And in fact, the initial pretrial hearing for a felony domestic abuse charge it isn't even scheduled till April of this year. But it was kind of interesting to watch uh, how first Adult Swim announced that uh, Justin Roiland had been fired from Rick and Morty. Uh, they were severing their ties with him and that the role of Rick Sanchez on the show, which, uh, just and Morty, he does Morty too. He does Morty as well. Yes. And a bunch of other little characters. So, okay. It's going to sound very different. Yeah. It's going to sound very different. Okay. Also worth noting that over at Hulu, which by the way, home of Animaniacs, not Netflix, the, the other shows that he has there, solar opposites. And in fact, we were just talking about koala man. In the same situation, uh, he's been fired from the show and they're going to uh, recast. And so this is different than, say, the John Crick Falusi situation or, damn it, I'm blanking the other uh, animated series where the creator was sort of shoved to the side. Oh, well, there was uh, Loud, Ho- Loud Family or Loud House. Wasn't that one of them? Yes, but there was another one. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Well, no, this is the thing that. There's the famous story about Elvis Presley, the morning that Elvis died. As the story goes, you know, it's it's the morning that Elvis dies. And the executive at RCA, uh, who's in charge of the Elvis account, is sitting in his office and suddenly his, his door is thrown open and his secretary is in, in the doorframe and she's like, Elvis is dead! And the guy sort of leans back in his chair and thinks contemplatively for a moment and says, hmm, good career move. <laughs> so death is kind of the ultimate disinfectant. I mean, it's kind of how we got our, our Michael Jackson musical on Broadway and that sort of thing. And it's just fascinating to watch how once the actual physical person gets no longer on our, our mortal coil that, you know, people can then circle back to, well, I, I enjoyed that. Sort of like how so many of us who, who loved Bill Cosby's stand-up now has to sort of like, geez, the thing I really enjoyed, I can't enjoy anymore because Bill Cosby is Bill Cosby. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to watch what happens to to Rick and Morty. If what happened with the Cosby Show is is any example, you know, a very lucrative thing goes away. That's just how it works. Yeah, so. we'll see how this all plays out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he was he you know he grew up with and also was creating things at the same time as so many other much you know obviously much more kind of moral creators. But you know he was. A voice on Adventure Time. He appeared on Gravity Falls as, you know, the time guy. And he has touched a lot of animation, uh, modern animation, this kind of golden age of kind of independently minded animation in the past few years. And so it's um, it's a shame that this happened. And yeah, we'll, we'll be following it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, getting back to uh, you know all of the characters that uh, Justin Roiland voices will need to be recast. And when Disney Theatrical was putting together a live stage production of Hercules back in late August, early September of 2019, this was the one that was done in Central Park at the Delacorte Theater Drew. They got Roger Bart to play the role of Hades in that show. And back in 1997, Bart had actually provided a young Hercules's singing voice in the original animated feature. In fact, if you enjoy Go the Distance, that's Roger singing that. I bring this up because the second production of the stage version of Hercules is about to get underway at the Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey. Uh, it's going to run through February 16th through March 19th. Sadly, because Roger is already committed to the Broadway production Oh, Back to the Future, the musical, which ran on the West End, was hugely popular. And in fact, you know, Roger and the, the gentleman who played Marty McFly are, are both coming back to Broadway to do the show. So he's not available. So for the paper mill production, Hades is now being played by Schuler Hemsley, who's uh, fresh off the Broadway revival of The Music Man. But folks who maybe saw... Disney's stage musical version of Tarzan might remember Mr. Hensley. He played Kershack in that show. I'm still getting the stink out of my clothes from that one. Jeez. <laughs> it was terrible. It was, that was a terrible show. Admit it, Jen. You saw it, right? I or- saw it. I, and I, under- I understand it was meant for a different theater, blah, it blah, was. blah. Mm-hmm. And the coolest part was that opening that I'll never forget where the, the waves are sort of coming down from the ceiling. Do you remember that? Yes, and and the people are walking down the backdrop. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I love that. All right. So speaking of Disney stage veterans, James Monroe Englehart, who won the Tony for playing Genie uh, in the stage ver- Disney stage version of Aladdin, by the way, just celebrated its sixth year on Broadway. He played Phil in the 2019 version of Hercules, the one, uh, the Delacorte. And he's returning to play this very same role in the Paper Mill Playhouse. But should this show continue to Broadway? And and my understanding, that is the hope. And, and this has happened before. In fact, in 2011, the stage version of Newsies debuted at the Paper Mill and was so well received that six months later, Disney took it to Broadway and it then ran for two and a half years. But... Sadly, again, if the show continues to Broadway later this year, James Monroe Englehart won't be able to continue as Phil because he just signed to play Louis Armstrong in a brand new musical called A Wonderful World, which will premiere in New Orleans and Chicago this fall 
with the hope of also heading to Broadway. Well, we, uh, we're going to be talking about Disney uh, theme parks in a few moments. So did you see the news coming out of uh, the concerts at Festival of the Arts uh, at Epcot this past week that Mandy Gonzalez and L. Stephen Taylor announced from the stage there that Coco, Pixar's 2017 movie, is being developed for the stage, which Coco was originally supposed to be Pixar's very first musical, right? Yes, and I don't know if anyone knows the story of that version, Mm -hmm. but I do, and I know what the story was, that basically there was a family that hated music, and so in the afterlife, Mm -hmm. they had to communicate only through song. That is the very no! compli- yeah. That is the very complicated mechanism that all of that original version of Coco kind of like turned around. Are so, you kidding me? No. That so was... so literally, anytime there would be anything going on in the afterlife, there would be mm-hmm. a huge musical number. Holy cow! And yeah. this is Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. This this is the score they wrote. For, I mean, the, the yeah. Frozen those people. Are the, those are the songs. Yeah, that that's where the songs would have been, and that would have been more in line with that teaser that was shown at D twenty three. That's still one of my favorite pieces of yeah. animation. But that's why everything was so musical in that sequence was because the family could only communicate through song in the afterlife. God, there's got to be a pile of songs and music. Yes, yes. The vaults are full. It's like Paisley Park. You walk in (laughs) after Prince dies, and there are so many songs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe they'll go back to that idea, you know? We've seen seen deleted songs reappear in Broadway show versions of animated classics throughout the years. We have uh, Human Again and Beauty and the Beast and and the like. But Morning Report. There we go. Uh There we go. Oh, God. Okay. And as long as we're talking about Disney and musicals and that sort of thing, uh, Jody Benson, the, the, the voice of the Little Mermaid, she's actually going to be down in Fort Myers on March 17th and March 18th. And they are doing the Broadway musical Gypsy in a concert format. And she's going to be playing Jody. The Ethel Merman role, uh, Mama Rose in Gypsy. But what's kind of interesting is that the daughter, Gypsy, is going to be played by Jody Benson's own daughter, uh, Delaney Benson. So I'm halfway tempted to, to get down to Fort Myers uh, again on March 17th and March 18th to check that out. The, the amount of regional theater we've talked about on this show is pretty impressive, Jim. We, is there we anything try. at the Poughkeepsie Playhouse that we should <laughs> shout out? <laughs> Just to give people an option. We've already, you know, I don't know. Tell you what, I will step away here while we do our commercial break and go check on the Poughkeepsie Paleos. But but when we get back, uh, Drew's going to talk all about this press event that he just attended at the Disneyland Resort. Sadly, Drew, I I have no news for the Poughkeepsie Playhouse. Darn. But on the other hand, uh, before we get started on your theme park news, what did you think of of all of the the footage that came out of the the Magic Kingdom this past Sunday for the, the, the last day of Splash Mountain? I was looking all day if, mm-hmm. to see if there was that hoot I gave about Space Splash Mountain. And you know what, Jim? I never found it. I cannot believe <laughs> that people care this much about this ride that has been around for so long, has gotten into such 
poor mm-hmm. condition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was something about those lines of people, Jim, that I, there was something that struck me about them, about their complexion. It was almost, it was almost <laughs> like watching the January 6th crew line up to watch to uh, visit uh, their favorite attraction again. Okay. You know, Jim, I don't want to make any, you know, generalizations, but they were pretty a pretty pale bunch. Let's just say that, that we're saying goodbye to Splash Mountain. For me, what was fascinating is the very next day, if you, when you walked into the park and picked up a map, the map already had the logo on it for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Opening in 2024, which, by the way, I have to tell you from chatting with friends at Imagineering, very ambitious. Which Imagineers are you talking to, Jim? The Imagineer that uh, turns on the lights or the Imagineer that, that works at his computer? Because I think there's only a couple <laughs> left. On advice of counsel, I am not answering that. <laughs> but the other thing I thought that was fascinating is the very next day, construction fences were up that had been spray painted with the logo of the Southern Dome Salt Company. This is actually tying in with the food cooperative storyline that is supposedly going to be part of Tiana's Bayou Adventure. So they are not kidding around, Drew. They are hitting the ground I... fast. I, I think the Southern Dome Salt Company thing is so stupid. I'm going to just mm-hmm. say that up front. And I okay. think that I talked to somebody last night at this mm-hmm. event, and they said they're going to deny us the Dr. Facilier moment mm-hmm. that we all deserve, which is hearing the other side as you go up that last mm-hmm. lift hill of the bum, 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 yeah. and I have heard the same thing. Basically, maybe we I, can talk about... Jim, mm. at some point, how the movie got softer when they started worrying about mm. how good to make her, which she's an, obviously an amazing character. Yeah. The thing I yeah. fear is that mm. in a in a quest to make her the most virtuous character, we mm. have lost some drama in the actual attraction, and I think that is going to happen. No, I'm not, you're not wrong. I mean, in fact, for example, the very thing we were just talking about her, the Southern Dome Salt Company. That comes out of the fact that when Imagineering decided to really, really, really lean into research, and it was one of these things where it's like, I mean, look, for example, when you watch Pocahontas and the the lovely mountaintops and the peaks and the valleys and that sort of thing, there's none of that in Virginia. Yeah. But again, it was artistic license for that film. Whereas when the Imagineers went to Louisiana to, to research doing a ride based on Tiana and the storyline of Princess and the Frog, it's like, there are no mountains here. And the highest things around down by the bayou are salt mounds. And so that's why it's now the Southern Dome Salt Company. And and yes, you are, are rather than coming off of Splash Mountain, you're coming off of a Southern Salt Dome. So, um, okay, we'll make ourselves crazy if we go down this road. We will, so, we, but we should talk about the evolution of the original film. Maybe closer to opening. Yeah, okay. Okay, all right, let's do that. And then we can talk about Maddie, the maid. Yes. Okay, let's now talk about Disney 100 and what you saw and experienced while you were in Anaheim over the past couple of days. So how do you want to start here? Do you want to talk? Because you hadn't written or experienced Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Florida yet, I hadn't, no. And I hadn't watched a video, and I mute Lynn every time he talks about it on your show Mm -hmm. with him. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I had been been pretty clean going in. Mm -hmm. 
I have to say to everyone listening who are obviously animation fans that the queue is just absolutely stunning. It's um, a wonderful three-dimensional animated history of Mickey Mouse to a certain degree, Jim, as I mm-hmm. tweeted today. No runaway runaway brain was not included in his it was not. saga. Not, but you know. there are these amazing tableaus and, and they took this really funny path of sort of treating him like a movie star so you see his quote-unquote costumes in three dimensions and you Mm -hmm. see his the sorcerer hat kind of levitate Mm -hmm. and it's just really clever and i think it's so funny that it is like the most amazing cue to spend time in and yet it is a virtual cue slash lightning lane so i don't know who's actually ever going to hang out in yeah, there that is a uh, kind of intriguing yeah but i mean the ride itself i thought was very fun mm-hmm. and i love the mixture of 3d and 2d elements and obviously mm-hmm. there are so many sort of variants that you can experience if we're using mm-hmm. loki terminology in terms of the experience <laughs> while you're on the ride mm-hmm. which i really appreciated it is kind of interesting seeing it in a new building and going oh this was the gangster scene oh this was this was the western town. It's like, it's all new, which I thought was very interesting. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to see the rest of Toontown, which was still very much a work in progress. I hate the new grass area because I miss mm-hmm. my Roger Rabbit fountain, but c'est la vie. Yeah, you got to pick your battles. And one of the reasons that you got the grass versus the fountain, that sort of thing, was trying to sort of level the deck and literally when they finally open up the rest of the land and you finally get can get into Goofy's backyard, the, the Fort Max that it behind, is behind the house is entirely ADA uh, compliant. If, if you're in an ECV or a wheelchair, you, you can get up in there along with everybody else. Love to hear that. So now you, you get in there, you enjoy the ride, the queue's spectacular. What do you get to do? Well, the first night from your note today... <laughs> You got to get into DCA to see World of Color 1. Is that right? Yes. And for anybody who was in Southern California this week, it was mm-hmm. quite quite the experience. We had a nice mm-hmm. 4.6 earthquake. That's right. Uh, That's that right. woke everybody up. and Off of Malibu, right? Yeah, or... in Malibu. And then we had uh, some really insane Santa Ana winds. And instead of not doing the preview, which was also mm-hmm. a cast member preview, so it was great mm-hmm. to see everybody out there. And I love, have you seen, Jim, their new um, name badges that have their favorite characters on No, them? I've not, no. Let me ask you this, Jim. What do you think the number one chosen character, because they, there was a predetermined list. They had some copyright issues with Winnie the Pooh. They didn't want anyone having an emotion on their button, so they didn't want <laughs> anyone saying, you know, oh. this is Joyce, she's angry. So... Um, <laughs> What do you think the number one? What do you think the number one pick was? Voted by over half the entire staff of Disneyland. Wow! Not a Fab Five, right? Not a Fab Five, no. Hmm. Pixar character, or Disney character, Disney character, Disney animation. Wow! Beast, Stitch, Stitch. Stitch. I, oh, Stitch. that makes that yes. makes me happy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So over half of all Disneyland cast members chose Stitch. I was just fascinated by that stat. 
it's drilled into you that uh, you know you're working at Disney. You have to be nice. You have to be well behaved. So uh, Stitch would be a great outlet for that. So yeah, but they they there's characters from you know Star Wars and Marvel <laughs> and Pixar. So when you when you go to next time you go to Disneyland, stop. Look at their look at their badge. Ask them about why they chose this character. And if you think that a lot of people chose Mickey Mouse, that was also the default. So if they didn't get their answer in time, that was there the badge go. that was printed. The, yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay, so the first night we saw, but my, this is all a precursor to say, the winds were raging on that first okay. night that we saw. Okay. And I was having an extremely difficult time making out what was happening in this. This is exactly what happened to me at the opening night of the very first performance of World of Color, the marine layer shifted five minutes before the show began. And I've told you my John Lasseter story, right? Yes, he was drunk as hell and he was wet as hell. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Okay. You, yeah. know, that, that you may get wet. Yeah. When the marine layer shifts and you've locked focus, yeah, the show becomes an eye test. Yeah, and the other thing that was happening was that they couldn't get the screens high enough. Mm. So I was, you know, I was in a good spot, but it was yeah. like, oh, this is supposed to be a little bit higher because I can't make out anything that's going on here. And then when I talked to the show producer the next day, she said we actually saw, in terms of enjoyment, a 30% of the actual show. And, and some effects were turned off because of the weather. And, you know, it was... Mm. It was... Okay. Uh, not great, but the show itself is very kind of solemn. Mm. There's not a lot of triumph. Mm. Uh, the kind of central theme around the show is the fact that one character can kind mm. of open up the world for many characters or open it up for their community. Mm. And so it starts with like Lion King and Pocahontas are the oldest things in this show, which I thought was sort of weird that on the anniversary of 100 years, mm -hmm. there's a three minute long free jazz sequence set to soul, which I'm sure will really delight the youngsters out there. <laughs> it's kind of abstract. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, the technology was very impressive. There's a lot more laser technology that went into it. They've cleaned all the projectors and sensors and everything's really operating at the top of its powers. The only thing is that mm -hmm. we didn't see it at that level. And also the response was pretty muted. Mm -hmm. I I think I think these preview shows are really you get a good grip on what the kind of vibe is from mm -hmm. the people that watched it and it was not a, there was not a lot of enthusiasm I'll say that mm, so sorry this. to hear that yeah uh, again planning to get out to, to California in March kind of hoping can get into the park and and see it on a night where the weather were you know yeah hopefully yeah all right well okay sorry to hear about that but on the other hand wondrous journeys. Over delivered? Yeah, I, I thought this was one of the most amazing thing mm -hmm. that I've ever seen. I thought it was just insanely great. This mm -hmm. one has a very clear story. It's the hundred years of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Every mm -hmm. feature is represented. There are some shorts that are featured. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it and what you know that we talked to um, Roger Gould before the show mm -hmm. and he was like, Every everyone's favorite movie will have a moment here. And I, I got to tell you, Jim, there's a moment where the pirate ship from Treasure Planet kind of crashes mm -hmm. through the castle and is like a real focus. Mm -hmm. And people went 
absolutely nuts. It was awesome. It was just so great to see, mm-hmm. you know, their favorite film reflected in that way. And obviously the Baymax mm-hmm. and Tinkerbell or the, the mm-hmm. Baymax and Blue Fairy moments are really great. Mm-hmm. And I would go back to this again and again and I would go watch it from It's a Small World. We've heard that the projections over there are amazing and that the sound at the Rivers of America is really incredible. So this is maybe the best nighttime spectacular I've ever seen at a Disney park. And I just cannot wait to go back to watch it again because it's incredible. Let's get, let's get the dessert package that when you're in town, Jim, and we'll go, we'll get a good view. Yeah. All right. I guess that's my other question is that, a projection show with fireworks, and what's the best venue for this? Like Enchantment, which again is going away at the, the Magic Kingdom of Florida, it was a show that was very heavily leaned into projections with some fireworks. And so much of it keyed off of the lower part of the castle. And if you weren't in the right place to be able to see what was going on, I mean, it just, it was lovely music, and every so often there'd be a firework, but. It's like you couldn't really follow what's going on. And so from your experience, I guess you saw it. uh, I was pretty dead uh, center, pretty close to the castle. But I know what you mean. I thought Enchantment was just, it was just too Mm -hmm. much. It was just too Mm -hmm. busy for that castle. Mm -hmm. And the only downside, I mean, I think it's pretty, this one is much easier to read from Mm -hmm. elsewhere because I saw some videos from Main Street. And Main Street Mm -hmm. has some really amazing projection stuff that was talked about. Including, you know, just you'll be watching it and then a meerkat will just pop out of a window or something. You know, it's like really cute stuff like that. But it, this one is is also, I believe the pyro for this one only happens on the weekends because of oh. uh, Anaheim laws and stuff. So okay. they paid a fine last night to show it to us. We appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I think you should be. This is. This, I thought this one was much easier to read on a graphic kind of visual mm-hmm. level than that other one. And, you know, we saw, like, the one for the fifth, the 60th had, like, the mm-hmm. Matterhorn lighting up and turning into the mm-hmm. mountain from the fish tank and Finding Nemo. There's nothing like that where it, it feels kind of gimmicky and mm-hmm. over the top. So I just loved it. I thought this was amazing. And the music, Jim, the way mm-hmm. they braid different songs in and out of each other, it's just... It is... Absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I was listening to people sobbing around me as this thing was going on. I mean, that's the kind of show that it is. So Okay. Well, and, and more to the point, I'm glad to hear Rogers in the mix here. I mean, he always, whenever he's involved in, I mean, he he was Pixar's liaison to, to yes. Imagineering. So. Yeah, I believe now he is just like the animation brand's liaison oh. to Imagineering. He's probably the only guy working in Imagineering right now, Jim. We should tell him <laughs> to turn off the light when he leaves. all right all right okay we've hit that joke twice okay well again i'm glad to hear this about wondrous journeys and i'm hopeful you know if we get some calm weather that maybe you know world of color one will be at least worth viewing once all right so when i'm out in march yes we'll get the dessert package we'll stand in the right place and you know we'll check this thing out yeah i think i think any animation fan any disney fan will love it it, it, to me, it really encapsulates this 100th uh, celebration, which is very nebulous. And Jim, mm-hmm. I will tell you a story off air about some mm-hmm. some of this 
But yeah, I, I think it's just the best. And obviously Mickey and Minnie's, I feel like, is a really lovely treat. I've heard it's a little bit better than the Florida version. So There is the one uh, sort of extendo train a bit with, with Goofy, which I, I was watching a video of I enjoyed. So There you go. Well, no, you did a great job. And I, I, again, I know it came at a cost because if, if you could see the, the pictures of Drew right now, folks, he and, and Rocket. You know, are, are very similar. I'm just going to say that. Because okay? my hands so. don't scan? <laughs> I was thinking the dark circles. Oh, okay. Eyes, that's, but... that's true, too. But, yeah, my hand does not scan either. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks to Mr. Taylor for braving this president and coming back with all that great info. And, and speaking of, of great info, if you are not listening to Drew's Light Diffuse podcast, folks, you are missing out on, on such amazing stories. He and his equally talented co-host, Charles Hood, take you behind the scenes. Well, well, just not on the Mission Impossible movies, but you touch on so many different films and so many different aspects of filmmaking. I, you know, I learned so much listening to your show. And so uh, what will I be learning this week, Drew? Well, this week, the one that we just put up this week, we did an Oscar special episode with Perry Nimeroff, who I worked with at oh. Collider, and is just a lovely mm-hmm. person. You know Perry, Jim. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we just talked about Oscar stuff and uh, Maverick's amazing, you know, six nominations. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was really, really great. And the next week, I think we're doing a thing about deleted scenes from Rogue Nation. So, yeah, we're always in the weeds. But uh, we got some really fun stuff coming up that we hope everybody enjoys. Yeah. And speaking of other things I enjoy, I I enjoy Drew Taylor and social media. You know, nobody quite wields a sharp stick the way you do. Now, where can folks find you on social media? Uh, You can find me at Drew Taylor on Instagram and Twitter. But Jim, you didn't tell us about your other podcasts or where you're located. Yeah, we got a couple other podcasts here. We got Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. Uh, Likewise, we have uh, Marvelous Disney I do with Aaron Adams. Uh, I will be recording a brand new uh, Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gunn tomorrow afternoon. We were just uh, working on that show today. Uh, looking for me on social media. Uh, you can find me over at t- Twitter uh, and Instagram as uh, Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Beyond that, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just this show, Fine Tuning, but also Light the Fuse, that would be very helpful. Likewise, uh, if you go over to Bandcamp and subscribe, well, that means Drew and I can actually afford the dessert party. And, you know, we, we can get to see wondrous journeys from yeah. a decent place. Don't so, you want us to see that? Come on. There you go. There we go. So, all right. I, I guess that's going to do it for tonight, folks. So thanks for listening. And Mr. Taylor and I will be back soon.